Right, good evening everyone. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Leonard. Okay, that's a little bit too loud again. And I'm one of the elders here, and it's really, it's a privilege being here tonight. I just want to say, evenings like tonight, it's really actually special. And um, I stood here in worship, and I just felt like all over the show. I think I just felt like my mind was in so many different places. And I think it's because we've had such a full evening already. Uh, we had an amazing time in the first service, uh, lots of uh, families coming to visit, and it's just God really moved, and so my mind was there just also celebrating what God did there. It was really a, a beautiful time in the first service. And then we had baptisms. We were supposed to baptize four people. We ended up baptizing seven people, which was, which was really great. <laughs> Yeah, and it was wonderful just seeing how some people came out of the water, and you could just really see God touching that person. A step of obedience for God. It's such a beautiful thing to see people walking in more of the things that God has called, called them to, and then load shedding, and then sound, and then all of those things. So my mind was in so many different places, but I just want to say, I want to pray for us before we start, but I want us to say, even if things feel a bit chaotic sometimes, this is a family firstly. It's not supposed to be well run. It's not an organization we're trying to run. We're just trying to follow Jesus together as a spiritual family. And secondly, I want to say we should be grateful for the things that God is doing here. Really grateful for the things that He's doing. The people He's adding, the salvations we had. Can I just say this before I preach? We had, um, I think, three or four people giving their lives to Jesus in the 4 p.m. service. <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing, and I just sometimes wonder, um, for myself, I don't want to get used to this move of God, the things that He's doing. I don't want to get used to it. Sometimes it's messy, sometimes it's all over the show, sometimes things don't work out as they should, but actually it doesn't really matter. God is here. God is moving. So I'm going to pray for us. We're going to jump in. I'm going to share a message with you. I'm full of faith tonight. I, I believe that God wants to do something, and I trust that... Um, that, uh, yeah, that God will come and just do something in our hearts, come and shift us, shift some of our paradigms, some of our ways of thinking to make us effective Christians for Him and to make a difference on this world. I pray that you'll be blessed as I share, not because of my words, because of God word, God's words. If you're a double dipper, may you be doubly blessed um, <laughs> tonight. May you laugh double as hard for the jokes the second time around. Uh, I know I see there's a couple of double dippers here. Anyway, let's pray. God. Thank you so much for this evening, Lord. Lord, I want to stand still. Before I say anything, Lord, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your presence that's not dependent on our sound. It's not dependent on our worship, our worship teams. It's not dependent on this venue. Lord, it's just because of your grace that's with us here. Lord, thank you that you, you come, Lord, and that you move. We thank you for the fact that you are here with us even as we gather, Lord. We're not... We're not gathering as a church thinking that you're on the outside, Lord. I've just got such faith tonight that you are here working in our hearts as we speak. Thank you that it's not just my words tonight, Lord, but I do trust that, Holy Spirit, it would be your words in our hearts as I even speak. God, I thank you for the salvations that we saw in the first service, Lord. Thank you for calling people home, for doing a miracle in people's lives. Thank you for baptisms, Lord. I thank you that we get to see the things written in the Bible we get to see here in our town, Stellenbosch, today. Everyone said? Amen. amen. Come on, this is a big amen. We get to, it's an amen. We get to see the things in the Bible. So we've been speaking for a couple of weeks about, um, we've had a little bit of a sermon series called Just a Christian. And the whole idea with this is that you are not just a Christian, actually. 
Being a Christian in a biblical sense is a high calling. And what we tend to do as Christians today is we tend to make tiers of Christians. You get, in Afrikaans we say something like you get, you, you create a klein Christian and a groot Christian, a small Christian and a big Christian. And I believe that when we read the Bible and we understand the Bible correctly, there is no such thing. Because when you've been called into the kingdom of God, it's a massive calling and God wants to do a beautiful thing in you. And he does not want inferior Christians that think they can't be like some of the other Christians. And so some of the things that we've been trying to do is sort of lift the bar and say, come on, if you're a Christian, God is calling you for magnificent things. If you've placed limitations on yourself like this one tonight, I don't like speaking to strangers. I believe God wants to lift that off of you and say, there's a high calling on you if you're a Christian. And so tonight, um, I'm going to speak about something it's uh, I teased in the first service, I said it's the big E, and uh, then I said, I read, if, if you can think of a swear word that starts with an E, because some people laughed when I said the big E, then something's wrong with you, you shouldn't be able to, your, voc- your vocab shouldn't be that strong, but the big E is actually this word called evangelism, evangelism, and I must be honest, and I, I wonder if I had to ask you, if some of you were to be honest with me, I've sat in sermons where people speak about evangelism or in plain terms, telling other people about Jesus, and I've honestly been quite intimidated by it because I feel like I don't always have the words. Sometimes I feel shy. Sometimes I'm not an introvert. I think I'm a bit of an extrovert, but sometimes I even feel introverted in a sense. Like I feel like around people, I just want to do my thing. I want to blend into the crowd. I don't want to stand out. I don't want to be rejected, and I face those things. And then sometimes when it comes to evangelism, I honestly feel a little bit intimidated. And so when people preach about it, I'm like, ah, not one of those sermons again. Anyone else that's brave enough to say that you don't want to hear my sermon tonight, I'm joking, (laughs) that it's intimidating to you. I'm going to say I understand that. And I really believe that God actually wants to to come and take away some of those things. Because I do actually think that if you're a Christian, you have been called not only to receive salvation from God, but the Bible says that we are called to give what we've received. If you've received from God, if you've, if you've gotten salvation, it is every single Christian's calling to share the good news of Jesus that you've received. In fact, Charles Spurgeon, he's the, the, the prince of preachers, they call him, uh, he, uh, there's a quote of him that says, if you Um, You have never truly found Jesus if you do not tell others about him. And I want to say, if you really know that Jesus has forgiven you, if you really know the gunk that you came out of, if you know the, the, the extent that Jesus had to go to, to die on a cross for your sins, to give you salvation, if you understand that, if you've really received salvation, you should not be able to only want to keep it for yourself. It, it could be intimidating, but there should be a desire in you to say, yes, I want to share these, this with other people too. It should be there in every single Christian. And um, I'm just looking at my notes and I'm like thinking I'm going to maybe preach it a little bit different because there's something else I'm maybe feeling here. But there should be that in every single one of us. I want to take you to a scripture that I want to read to, in a sense, take the pressure off of us because Many times we put this burden on us, like I need to share the gospel and I need to be eloquent and I first need to go watch hours of YouTube teaching to know how to share the gospel. But actually, I think it's much more simple than that. And I want to break it down for you and say, actually, not that bad. John 9 verse 18. 
It's a beautiful story of Jesus that comes and he yields a, a blind man. He comes into this person's life and he actually changes his life completely by giving him sight. And it's so beautiful what this person answers. What, what, in a sense, what it does is when I read this portion of scripture, I go, oh, it's much easier than I thought. He doesn't make it too complicated. Let me read it to you. Jesus comes and he changes his life. And in verse 18, it says, The Jews did not believe that this man had been born blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. Then jumping to verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that Jesus is a sinner. This is what these Pharisees, these, uh, these people say to him to try and catch him out. Listen to his answer. This man answered, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Amen. See, these people come to him, and he does not have the answers. He just had an encounter with Jesus. He does not have perfect theology. He does not know how to share the gospel. He doesn't even know if Jesus is a sinner or not. He doesn't have the answers. All he knows is he once was blind, and now he sees. And he shares his story. And I want to say, wherever you are, whether you've got good theology or not, actually, it, it's supposed to be that simple. You are supposed to be able to say to people, listen, I once was blind, but now I see. Man, I can't give you all the answers. I don't know the Bible well enough. I'm not as eloquent, but actually, I don't care. All I know is I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I found. It's a beautiful thing when God comes into your life and he does a miracle in your life. And we make evangelism this big thing. And all I think is when I read this, it takes the pressure off me. And all I'm saying is, man, all I should do is actually just share with people that God has done something in me. They can argue with my theology. They can't argue with my story. They can't argue with my testimony. I know that I know what God did in me. Now, I, I tease about this and I, I say that. I mean, God can really do a miracle. He saved me, and I come from Boxburg. So that's, I mean, we, I had someone, coffee with a guy from Boxburg this week. I won't tell you who he is, just so you maybe excommunicate him from the church, and that won't, that won't be good. But God saved me, and I come from Boxburg. And you know, like, my, my story is, is quite a dramatic one in the sense that um, I, I was not looking for God. I... I thought that I was a Christian. I would have called myself a Christian if you asked me. I would have proclaimed to be a Christian at school. I, I didn't know any real Christians, to be honest. In, in the entire school that I was, I couldn't, looking back, I, I cannot tell you of one per person that really loved Jesus in my school. They were probably there, but I never knew them. And God came into my life, and, and I was just actually obsessed with many other things. I remember at that stage, I would buy a bottle of brandy every weekend. Friday evening off of it, Saturday evening off of it, we would drink until we would pass out and throw up, and I was really a mess of a person, and God came into my life, and he, he saved me, and I did not have the words to explain what he did. I went on a camp, I stood in a, in a worship time similar to what we had tonight, and for the first time in my life, I just really experienced the presence and the closeness of God. In a moment, it was like he came and he took the, 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 um, the blinders off my eyes. And 
at first I was blind. I didn't know the things of God. And just in a moment, he did a miracle in me and I could see. And I remember when people would come to speak to me at this stage, at that stage, I wasn't intimidated. I didn't try and have perfect theology. All I could tell them is, listen, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. All I know is that a week ago, all I could think about was girls and booze. And now all I can think about is Jesus. He did a miracle in my life. And I don't know if everyone here is saved tonight. If you're not, then I want to give you an opportunity afterwards. But if you are saved, I want to say you have a story. And all that we've been called to do is the Bible says that we are ministers of reconciliation, meaning we have been reconciled to God and we are there to be those who help others be reconciled to God. And the easiest way to start is just to realize that God has done a miracle in me and I am able to share that miracle with others. I can share my story. I can share it. Not eloquently, but I can share it. And I specifically want to say to you, I know some of you think that you don't have a story. You, you wish you were like Andrew Sally who lived, lived in a van and smoked weed every day and surfed his brains out and then got saved. You thought, you think, if I just had a story like that, that would be amazing. I want to say your story is exactly the same. You were just as lost as him and you are just as saved as him if you are saved today. Is that sinking in? <laughs> Some of you think, oh, I was always just a good person. I don't have a story to share. Nonsense. You do not know how far you were removed from God. You were maybe in a more dangerous place than Andrew or I because you thought you were in a good space (laughs) and that's dangerous. In fact, the Bible says that our good works, if we mask our deadness with good works, the Bible actually says that those are like filthy rags. Jesus detests it because we put these things on and we think we're good people, but actually it's just us masking the stench of our own death. Listen, Whether you got saved when you were four years old, whether you're not sure when you got saved, but you know that you know that you are in Jesus, whether you have a radical testimony, all of our stories are the same. We were on a highway to hell. We were destined for hell. Destined. And then Jesus came into your life, whether you know when or not, and he saved you and he died on a cross for you. And today you are saved. You have a story. And Not only can you share that story, I believe that Jesus wants each of us to be ready, willing, able, excited, and full of faith to share that story with others. It is our responsibility to be willing to share with others what we've gone through. Are you with me tonight? (laughs) Are you? Okay, it's like feeling feeling a bit different. All right, it's just me. (laughs) So I want to break your your paradigm a little bit, and I want to read you a scripture quickly in... um, In Matthew 5, verse 14. If I quoted this verse years ago, because many of us know this verse, it starts with saying, you are the light, you can put it up, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You know, no, 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 go back, go back. Yes, yes, (laughs) opgewonde. You are the light of the world. You know, for the longest time, I actually thought that that scripture was referring to Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. Amen? Amen. Don't say amen. (laughs) He is, but this is not speaking about Jesus. You know, the scripture here is actually speaking about us. The Bible says that because we've been equipped with the story, we are the light of the world. I'm going to read the rest of it. It says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, listen, it's speaking to us, let your light shine before others. Jesus' light in us, but it's saying let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. So just go to that first verse again, please. I want to make it real for you. So there where it says, you are the light of the world, I want you to put brackets there and put your own name in there. Okay. So if your name is Leonard, but which is not, my name is Leonard, <laughs> say, Leonard is the light of the world. And this is not sacrilegious. This is what the Bible is saying, because I want you to, to, to have it, to get it in you. So Christian is the light of the world, whatever. Okay. You are the light of the world. So I'm going to count to three and I want you to put your name in there and say it. Again, don't say Leonard is the, the, the light of the world. Okay. All the education students, listen to me carefully. <laughs> listen carefully. Put your own name in there, not mine. Okay. So you are the light of the world. I'm going to count to three, and I want you to say it with me, that sentence. We're going to go one, two, three. I heard Leonard. I'm telling you, I heard Leonard. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's true, but that's not the point of this exercise. You are the light of the world. I heard my name. I, is there another Leonard here? No, so come on. <laughs> okay. Let's try again. One, two, three. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let's try that again. One, two, three. Okay, let that sink in. Actually, what the Bible is teaching us, many of us have this thing where we think, and it's true, Jesus is the light of the world, don't get me wrong, but Jesus has actually said, do not shift responsibility away. I am the light of the world, but I've put my light in you now. You are the light of the world. There's a responsibility put on each one of us to say, if I've got a story, I need to share it. I need to share it. So I want to tell you just a, a quick story out of my life, um, which I think should be relatable in a sense, because it's just a normal story of normal life that I went through about two years ago. So my, my uncle, um, about two years ago, he got COVID. We all forget about COVID, but it's a real thing. It existed. It is, feels like life has just moved on to a large extent. Um, but it, you remember the frustration. I eh? remember like the masks and all of those things. And anyway, it was COVID time. And my uncle got quite sick. And I don't know if you remember, there was a time when the hospitals were overcrowded to the extent that there weren't um, enough hospital beds at all the hospitals. They tried to keep people at home. There weren't enough ventilators for people. And so my uncle being a little bit overweight and having heart issues, he'd had heart surgeries before. He wasn't in the best condition of his life. He got COVID quite severely and he had to go into the hospital. And for a couple of days, they kept him in the hospital and... He was monitored. He was actually really sick. We, we thought he would be fine. We thought he would still come out, but he was really sick in the hospital. And eventually they realized they need to rush him to a place where they can get him on a ventilator. Eventually he got him in one of these things. He couldn't walk and they rushed him to um, the ICU, got to the ICU and the ICU was full. There was no bed for him available in the ICU. Got him back on the thing and then rushed him towards, um, to, towards the, the emergency room to try and get help for him there. And on the way to the emergency room, he unfortunately passed away. 
Now, this moment obviously was a massive shock for my entire family. My mom was distraught. It was her, it's her brother. Uh, and the entire family really struggled with it. And so I decided, obviously, I'm going to get on a plane. I'm going to go to Joburg and spend time with my family there um, and be there. And I had the massive opportunity at that stage to be able to, um, to, uh, to do the funeral. And many of you, if I say that I was able to preach at the funeral, you would say the testimony that I'm about to tell you is probably about the preaching. Because I think we've got such a misperception. We think that preachers have a better opportunity to share the good news of Jesus than the rest of us. You think if one day I can have this mic, oh, I'll make a difference. And it's like, that's really not the truth. I many times think that having this mic is a disadvantage and not an advantage. If you're a preacher... What happens many times is people, when they find out that you're in ministry, they hide away their true colors. If you are just an engineer, not just an engineer, I mean, you have to, just an engineer. They pretend to be really clever, but they just, I don't know. <laughs> whatever you may be, <laughs> whatever you are, like whatever occupation, sometimes I really think, sometimes I wish I, I, I wasn't what I am. I wasn't in ministry because I think I can get into people's lives so much easier without them putting up a front and pretending to be someone they're not. So anyway, I got the opportunity to, to preach at, at the funeral, and it was an amazing time, and I believe God did something, but I, I can't necessarily tell you of someone who got saved or someone whose life changed, but I did my part. I preached. I mean, preaching actually, like God is not calling, again, it's breaking that stigma, like the super Christians will preach, and that's how people will get saved. That's not what happens. But anyway, I went home, and my uncle, who played a massive role in my life, because the way that I got saved actually was uh, my mom was really suicidal, and I was really in a bad space in my life. Um, my family, it was just, it was a mess. And my aunt and uncle said that I must come and live with them for a bit so that they can reach out to me and help my mom get back on her feet. So they, they had a massive role that they played in my life. Um, through circumstances, they actually, they love the Lord, but they were just really not in a good space with the Lord. To the extent that my uncle had always had a problem with drinking, he'd always, he'd, he'd had too much to drink, but it, it just got worse and worse and worse. And every time I would go visit, it would just get worse. And you know, sometimes how drunk people are, they want to speak to you about Jesus when they're drunk, not when they're sober. And it would frustrate me to no end because I could never get through to him because the next day he wouldn't remember what I spoke to him about. Lovely man. But he could just never remember. And I went home and I just had this revelation again of what I'm speaking about now. That, you know, hear me out. I feel like I'm saying a few things, but I want to I wanna push your boundaries a little bit. Jesus was not going to do anything in his life. Jesus wanted me to do something in his life. He wanted me to do something. I've been praying for him for a long time. Praying, Lord, please step into his life, do something in his life. But you know what? Jesus is the light, but Jesus said, you are the light. There's a responsibility that we have, and many times we jump away from our responsibility because we pray. But prayer, let me tell you this, prayer, I'm going to get to other scriptures later to, to support what I'm saying. Prayer is not the be-all and end-all of this. Jesus never said to us, pray. I don't know of any scriptures saying, pray for your family that they will get saved. No, it's actually saying you are the one that is to go into that place. You are the light of the world. And so I had this revelation that I just realized if I don't do something, I don't know if something's going to happen. 
But it's awkward. It's my family. I went to my cousin. He's older than me. He was always the one that bullied me. And now I'm having to be the Christian to try and make a difference here. He was going through a divorce at that stage. Had twin twins the same as us. And then their marriage fell apart. And it was a difficult time. But I went to him and I said, listen, your dad is in a really bad space. Like he's an alcoholic. I phoned other churches in the area um, that's part of 412. And I asked them, do you know of any rehabs? And they gave me details. We, I, I got the money together, and I went to my cousin and said, can we get the money? And I said to him, listen, we need to sit down with your dad, and we can't give him a, a, a choice. We need to say to him, you are going to rehab. This is the rehab. Pack your bags. You need to go. We went to my aunt, had the same conversation with her. She was in for it. It was, it was quite difficult. We sat down with my uncle, had the entire chat with him. He did not say a word. Just afterwards, stood up, started packing his bags. He was very angry. But he went to the rehab, and it's now about two years later, and he has not touched alcohol again. It's beautiful. He's not touched alcohol again, and his relationship with Jesus is in the best place it's ever been in his life. He's still driving through every Monday from Johannesburg to Pretoria to go spend time with the other people in the rehab to reach out to the men there. For two years, he's been doing that every Monday. It was not because of my prayers. I know this seems, it seems difficult. It was not because of my prayers. It was because Jesus called me to be a light in a dark situation. The question is, where has Jesus called you to be a light in a dark situation? We've got people here from Belgium, and it's, oh, it's so wonderful to, to, see, uh, to see you here. You know, we've actually got one of our guys who comes to the 4 p.m. service every single week. He prays for Belgium. I don't know if you know that. He's, um, he's got one of his friends in our morning congregation. They get together once a week and they pray for the people of Belgium. And they pray for salvation for the people of Belgium. But you know what? I'm going to get to it now. But, um, but the prayers can not only be God do something there. The prayer needs to be, Lord, how have you called me to be a light to Belgium? What can I do? Because I need to be a light. And God has placed you in different places. I want to read to you Acts 17, verse 26. It says, And God made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. I'm going to read that last part again. It says that every one of us sitting here, God has determined allotted periods for our lives. Meaning, if you are alive now, it's not because of chance. God destined you to be alive now. Okay, Then it says, and the boundaries of their dwelling place. If you live in Stellenbosch at the moment, it's not because of your studies. It's because God allotted you to be here in Stellenbosch at the moment. The family you were born in, it's not haphazard. God allotted you to be born into the family that you are part of. Your study group, God chose for you to be in that study group. If you were born in Belgium, God chose for you to, born in, to be born in Belgium because God knew what he was going to do in your life and he knew that you can be a light wherever he places you. Listen, if you don't like your family, we can't choose our families. God loves your family. If your family is difficult to get along with, Jesus died on a cross for them. And he saved you to be a light into that, light, into that family. If your work situation is difficult, Jesus died for those people. He gave you that job so that you can be a light in that job. Listen, is it making sense? Is it going in? 
Nothing is haphazard. You didn't get the job because you looked at six CVs and that's the one you chose or they chose you. God's sovereign hand was there. He said, I am placing my son or my daughter in that position. I'm placing them in that family, in that study group, in that workspace. I'm placing you there. And we are to be a light to those people. And so what we tend to do is we pray. And listen, I'm not against prayer. I'm very much for prayer. We should pray. But we say, Lord, I'm going to pray for my workspace. And we make a prayer group. Lord, come and work in my workspace. I want to say that is not as biblical as it should be. And I'm going to look at the Bible now. And then we get together with some other family members who are saved. Lord, please save my family members. That's not bad, but I think there's more. There's something different for us. We get together, we've got like the engineering faculty, and we've got our prayer group for the engineers. Lord, let the intellect not stand in the way, right? Or whatever. <laughs> Arrogant people. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Like we've got these prayer groups, but actually I want to challenge you tonight. I want to look at two scriptures because I think we should pray, but our prayers are wrong many times. Let me say it's wrong or it's incomplete. I actually lean towards I think it's wrong, to be honest, but I'm, I might be missing something in scripture. Firstly, our prayers should be this. Listen to this, Acts 4.31. Look at the disciples, what they did. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. They prayed, they received boldness to go. Okay? Other times we look at the disciples and what they prayed for was not, Jesus, please save Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, please save them. What they prayed for is, Lord, give us boldness to go and preach your word. So should our prayers maybe change and say, instead of, Lord, go do something, Lord, help me to go do something? <laughs> Lord, save Belgium. No, Lord, what can I do to go into Belgium to make a difference? Lord, give me boldness to go. And that's a scary prayer. It's much easier just praying, Lord, save them. Amen? <laughs> it's much easier. It's much more daunting saying, Lord, give me an opportune moment to speak your word even if it doesn't fall on ears that are ready to listen. Give me an opportunity to speak. Oh, that's scary. But it's the prayers we should pray. Matthew 9, verse 36, here's another prayer we should pray. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, they're looking towards people that need to be saved, the harvest is plentiful, but... The laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. The first prayer we pray is, God, give me boldness to go. The second one is, Lord, give more people boldness to go. This is it making sense, guys? Like, Jesus has called you to be a light. But we are too scared to shine our light. Many times what we do and I do is I put a basket over my light. I hide myself. I'm too scared. And what the challenge is tonight is to say, maybe you have this light. You've got Jesus inside of you. You're an ambassador for Christ. Whether you like it or not, whether you are bold or not, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you are supposed and you are called to be an ambassador for Christ. So the best prayer you can pray is, Lord, help me to take the basket off of my light. 
Help me to go into the dark situations and be your light there. Give me boldness, Lord, because I'm scared. I'm scared, but please, Lord, give me the boldness to go. And then secondly, Lord, send other people in because, Lord, you decide to use people to accomplish your work. Give other people boldness. So I'm going to end for us right there. And um, I want to pray, and I actually want to pray with you tonight if you want to pray with me. I'm going to pray two things. Well, one thing, actually. I'm going to pray what the disciples prayed. I want to ask the Holy Spirit that He would show you the dark places that He's called you to be a light in. And then we're going to pray a bold prayer together and say, God, give me boldness. Scary, but we're going to pray it. Let's stand. Those who want, those who want to respond. So just with your eyes closed, maybe let's, let's trust the Lord that He will show us where are those places that He in His sovereignty has placed us? Who are the people He has placed us with? Where are the dark situations where you know that God is actually calling you to be a light there? Don't think too far ahead. Just think of that. God, I pray that as we think of these things, Lord, reveal to us the people Give us your heart for the people, Lord. Jesus, you died on a cross so that they may be saved. Lord, I pray that you would just show us those situations that you want to reach into through us. Open our eyes, Lord, speak. I pray, yeah, just as we're standing here, that you would open our eyes to those situations, those places. Then maybe if you want to respond and you want to pray, Lord, give me boldness now to go. I'm going to ask you to raise your hands with me. Like in a sense to say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Father, as your people, we want to say, Lord, and sometimes it's difficult and we lack faith, Lord, but give us faith. Give us boldness to go. Lord, I pray where there are families represented here, Lord, give us boldness to be a light to those families, to shine your light in those families, Lord, where there are work situations, God, I pray for your boldness in those places to share your word, to tell people about you, to share our stories, God. Lord, with our studies, with our friends, with all of these places, God, I pray for every hand raised, Lord, I pray that you would give us your boldness. Give us your boldness, Lord, I pray that we would be gripped by the fact that you love, Lord, that you desire those people to be saved, Lord, that you went as far as to send your one and only son to die on a cross so that those people might be saved. Lord, and I pray that you would put a conviction and a boldness in our hearts to say, Lord, I want to go. I want to do something. I want to speak. Lord, I'm scared, but Lord, give me the boldness and the faith to go and to do those things, Lord. Oh, Lord, as your people, Lord, I, I know that as we stand here, Lord, we actually represent probably thousands of people. Places that you want to reach into, but you're waiting for us to go. Oh, Lord, we pray, Lord. I pray. God, just give us that sense of urgency even. I'm not asking for condemnation, Lord. I'm just asking for a sense of urgency. A sense of calling, a sense of the fact that we are ambassadors of Christ. Show us the fact that we are light, Lord. We are light in this world.
Thank you, my God. Maybe just keep your eyes closed where you are. You can put down your hands if you want. Just close your eyes. You know, um, this message is about giving Jesus to others, but first you need to receive him for yourself. And I want to make an opportunity available if you're standing here and you've never received Jesus, you've never given your life to him fully. You might have heard about him, you obviously coming to church, but you want to take an opportunity tonight to say, oh, Lord, I've, I've been living for other things, but I want to live for you. I want to live for you. you now, in order to give him, in order to be that light, firstly, you need to let his light shine into your heart. You need to come to a place of surrender, of saying, Jesus, thank you that you died for me on a cross. I want to give my life to you. And he's reaching out to you tonight, if that's you. As I said, it was beautiful in the 4 p.m. services, a couple of people that responded. And I'd love it if we can see that again tonight. So if that's you, no one's eyes are open, all the eyes are closed. If that's you, if you want to respond tonight, can I ask you to take a bold step and raise your hand so that I can pray with you? Thank you.